0: What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 365, powered by Rageworks. Happy holidays, ladies and gents. Uh, This is our final show of 2016. If this is your first time tuning in to My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. On Wednesday nights, we break down the latest and greatest in MMA and pro wrestling. Thursdays, we switch gears and jump into gaming entertainment, and sometimes a little bit of tech for good measure. As always, you can watch the live stream for this broadcast and listen to the audio stream by heading to mtrlive.com, where you will see various ways to engage with the show, including an audio-only feed that is simulcast to Mixler, but also video feeds that are simulcast to Restream, Vaughn Live, Stream Up, Motion, YouTube Live, and Twitch, If you are accessing the show from any of those other services, please head over to mtrlive.com. That way you can just interact with us in the chat room as we do not have chat rooms for all those services opened at the same time. If you're not able to to enjoy tonight's broadcast live, you can always catch it in podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video, of course, can be found on our YouTube channel. Excuse me. YouTube.com forward slash official Rageworks. All right. Lots to discuss, lots to get into. We're going to keep it short and sweet to close out 2016. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, uh, we issued and released a breakdown of our broadcast schedule for the month of December. Uh last night's MMA and wrestling show and today's gaming and entertainment show will be the last shows for 2016 as we will be taking a break for the holidays. And in addition to that, I know a lot of you guys were wondering why there were there wasn't any new stuff posted on the site today. But we are also moving to a new web host. I actually was on the phone with them for about an hour and a half uh, before we started the show, getting into you know the migration of the site from our current web host and you know why certain things aren't working, etc., etc., etc. I know our very own Slick is chomping at the bit. To give you guys some content, but we are migrating to a new web host. The goal is to have that finalized uh, during the overnight hours after tonight's broadcast. So, you know, if you've been wondering why there's been a drought in content, that is the reason why. Nonetheless, we should be up and running uh, by end of day Friday with everything running as it should. The The whole goal here is obviously not losing any posts or any images that we've uploaded since the... Um, migration of the site, which I believe was finalized yesterday or the day before. And of course, we've been posting content pretty much on a consistent basis every day. So that's one of the little challenges that we are dealing with behind the scenes. But in any case, um, you know, we are going to wrap up 2016 with tonight's show, take a break for the hot for the holidays, come back in January and probably do two live shows to start the year. But if you hadn't read the announcement on the site, we will be moving to a straight podcast format uh, going forward. We will still do live broadcast, but not on a weekly basis. We will save it for special occasions or things that are just going to require a little bit more audience participation. You know, special pay-per-views if we have a particular guest or if it's a milestone episode. I mean, tonight's episode is episode 385. So I'm sure that by the time we hit episode 400, we will definitely have at least one or two additional live episodes besides the ones in January. So just putting that out there, I know a lot of you guys have expressed concern that, you know, MTR is going away or we're shifting focus. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is not the case. I just feel that we can better serve you guys by not only giving you the content for My Take Radio, but also just providing additional content in video format, uh, written content, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that has become a bit of uh, not, you know, just a, a tough, a tough act to follow. You know, you're doing the live shows, editing. Plus, we're also doing all the shows on the network, editing those shows, making sure everything goes out in a timely fashion, all the social stuff. You guys know the deal. But in any case, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely going to go into 2017 guns blazing. Uh, we, lot of, we got a lot of stuff on deck for you guys going into the new year. As many of you know, we we started just My Take Radio on Rageworks, and we have since grown to, you know, a variety of shows for every different person out there. We got, you know, sports and mixed with a little bit of wrestling courtesy of Jay and TRSS. We got hip hop, nerd shit and sports courtesy of ben and taylor at black is the new black of course uh pour one out for the buried show that was holding it down with uh, an alternative perspective on wrestling and of course myself jimbo slice we launched the variant issue for those of you that are into comics and collectibles and you know the response has been overwhelming um you know we we've we've done some really awesome shit in 2016 you know i wouldn't i wouldn't give it i wouldn't give it back in 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 any capacity only because it's been, it's been an amazing ride. We've done some great shit. Um, You know, I'm grateful not only to the listeners, but also to, you know, the members of the team that are going in there and putting in the work with me, whether it's going to events, uh, reviewing products, streaming, you know, sleep, many sleepless nights, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're grateful for the support. And I personally am grateful for, you know, sharing this experience with so many of, 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 my team, you know, these guys, These guys and girls are fucking ride or die, and I'm, you know, I am 100% um, uh, grateful. Grateful is the best way to sum it up. So with that said, um, you know, we got a couple of things. We got to wrap up contest-wise. We have our Star Wars Black Series contest, which ended yesterday at um, 11.59, and the winner of that contest is Alyssa. Uh, so Alyssa, send me your address and we can forward it over to Entertainment Earth if you're listening and you can get your prize. Definitely want to thank everyone who entered and rest assured that even though I gave that prize away, we still have another review unit, which was I thought it was within arm's reach um, that we're going to possibly do a giveaway for as well. In addition to that, myself, Jimbo Slice, The variant issue are. Uh, partnered with Newberry Comics for the Twelve Days of Christmas gift card giveaway. Uh, every day we have been giving away gift cards to Newberry Comics, uh, denomination unknown, which is part of the fun. And um, you know we've had we've had a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of great entries, a lot of people involved putting in the work, and um, we're still giving them away. You know our latest. Our latest contest day three will come to a close in roughly 20 minutes. So if you didn't enter, you still have time and, um, you know, we're going to continue doing giveaways all the way through Christmas Eve. So even if you didn't win on day one or day two, or even day three, you still got another shot, uh, you know, tomorrow all the way through Christmas Eve. So definitely continue to enter, continue to follow the rules, share the post, Uh, get people talking and who knows, maybe you might walk away with more than one if you're lucky. And, um, you know, again, want to thank everybody who's entered, everybody who's been participating on Instagram and, you know, we're really, really happy with what's been going on there. So props to you guys for that. Uh, One thing I do want to mention, I am probably going to do maybe a, a big grab bag giveaway at the end of the year with some of the stuff we got in studio couple of review products, et cetera, et cetera, uh, possibly working on giving away an Echo Dot, uh, which is one of the items that is good. You're probably going to be seeing in our last gift guide in one of our last two gift guides, which should be out this week. If everything goes according to plan, uh, the Echo Dot is fucking amazing. You know, I'm glad that I, you know, my wife picked it up and uh, it's been great. So we're probably going to do a giveaway for an Echo Dot uh, to close out 2016, maybe uh, the last week of, of the month, we'll put something together and give away an Echo Dot. In addition to that, we're probably also uh, going to do a contest to start 2017 with our friends at Entertainment Earth. They have uh, graciously given us a list of different items that we can give away. And we're pretty much almost 100 percent going with a Transformers item of course, with the recent trailer for Transformers the Last Night, I think it would be fitting to do a Transformers giveaway. Uh obviously the Star Wars giveaway was for Rogue One, which is in theaters now. And you can find our review for Rogue One on Rageworks, hopefully by by the end of by the end of the weekend. That's the plan. If everything goes as 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 you know, as I said smoothly. So, you know, we got a couple of things on deck. So before we wrap up housekeeping, quick reminder. Alyssa, you won the Star Wars Black Series Contest. Congratulations. Uh, For those of you that are entering the 12 Days of Christmas gift card giveaway, you still have now 19 minutes to enter. Uh, If not, then we will obviously announce our winner, and you can enter on the next contest, which should go live, obviously, 1201. And usually we do an Instagram post around 3 a.m. Eastern time, so that people on the West Coast, which would be midnight, will be able to see it as well. So, again, keep entering, keep participating, keep sharing the stuff, and we'll keep giving you guys awesome, awesome shit. All right. So, lots to discuss. We got a couple of gaming items that I want to get into. Uh, I, you know, Slick is going to join me. We're going to break down some of the noteworthy items of 2016 in the gaming space. On the entertainment side, things were a little light I want to talk about some of my favorite films of 2016. I also want to talk about some of the advances in regards to home theater for 2016, what you should be looking at, uh, what you should be planning for 2017, give you guys a couple of recommendations. And as always, we will take your calls three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, one, three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, one. You can also listen to the show. That way the audio quality will be lower but you can listen to the show via the call-in number. And if not, and you're on a mobile device, you can download Mixler, listen to the high-quality stereo simulcast either on your iOS or Android device. All right, so with that said, let's get this ball rolling and jump into the gaming side of things, shall we? You know, on the on the gaming front, things have been a little funky. Um, There were a lot of things I wanted to address. Uh, You know, first and foremost, I feel that with the holidays right around the corner, there's so many different things going on and so many companies jockeying for your your gift, your your gift dollars. Well, that's a that's a poor, uh, a, a poor way to describe it. Jockeying for your hard earned cash, whether it's for yourself or for a loved one. And I think each company has really solid offerings. I'm being I'm being genuine in saying this. I think that if you're if you're a Nintendo fan and you can score an NES classic, then that's that's something to look for. Or, you know, if you're a 3DS, a handheld gamer, amazing offerings on the portable space from Nintendo plus Super Mario one dropped on iOS, which is fucking bananas. I actually got to see it in action today. And I said to myself, Nintendo is definitely not fucking around. And um, they definitely did a good job with it. It's fun. It's engaging. It's one of those games that you could play on a bus trip or in a lobby, you know, waiting for, for an appointment. It's, it's great. It's easy to digest. And it's something that Nintendo should have done a long time ago. And I'm glad to see them uh, leap forward with that. Also, got to say that on the PlayStation side, obviously, you got PSVR, You got the PS4 Pro, you got a brand new PS4 Slim, you got a solid lineup of fucking games. I mean, if you read our 2016 gaming gift guide, you saw that there were a slew of great PlayStation 4 titles that we were showcasing as being great gift ideas for your loved one, or even for yourself, if you want to treat yourself. Um, You know, Xbox, of course, has the Xbox One S, which not only is a powerhouse in terms of gaming, but is also giving you your 4K media fix. Now, with that said, obviously, you know, jumping into that space, whether it's the PS4 Pro or Xbox One S, you know, uh, 4K TVs are a must. And with the prices dropping at a, you know, at a fucking rapid rate, you know that you're going to have a dozen or so great offerings from a variety of companies. I saw a 4K TV It was an E-series television by Vizio and the picture ladies and gentlemen was immaculate. I kid you not. It was without a doubt, one of the most beautiful pictures I've seen on a 65 inch TV that had an MSRP of 699. Just let that sink in ladies and gents slightly under 70 inch television for less than a thousand dollars. It's, it's ridiculous. In addition to that, uh, curve TVs are starting to, to come down in price. I know that that was the big buzzword, uh, trying to get people engaged with curved televisions. And for me personally, you know, I felt that that was a gimmick. They tried to do the curve soundbar, you know, Samsung taking advantage. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with a curved display. I just feel that it's, it's a bit of overkill for me personally. Uh, give me a good high quality, you know, 1080p or 4k display, uh, IPS, if it's for, you know, desktop computing and you know, we'll, we'll be rocking with, with that stuff. I mean, to see companies like Vizio, step it up Toshiba step it up. Um, you know, Sony of course, and Samsung neck and neck when it comes to amazing displays, it's uh, it's a, it's a great time to be a, a gadget fan. It's a great time to be a gamer. It's a great time to be a movie buff. And if you are looking to spruce up like your basement or even your own living room, the prices for 1080p projectors have dropped. It's ridiculous. You know, you were back in uh, maybe three, four years ago, I'd say a 1080p projector was, you know, three grand, $3,500. Now you can get a 1080p projector uh, with, you know, a screen and everything else for a little little less than $1,000, even in some cases less than that if you, you know, create your own screen or, you, you know, display it on a white wall. Uh, a buddy of mine i used to work with in my old office he actually had his living room there was a white wall and he would have you know a 100 inch screen he'd be able to watch nfl games it was it was a great setup the overhead at the time he was using a dlp projector and you guys know dlp used to be very very costly but i really i fell in love with that setup as a as a gamer the only problem was obviously if you were in a room that was well lit it would make uh, you know the enjoyment of that of that stuff a little difficult, but things have have evolved so much now, and there's so many better screens that you can throw a projector in your living room, uh, you know, and and not have to deal with some of those challenges like you used to do back in the day. But still, you know, a lot of great value out there if you're a gamer or a movie buff, and you know, we'll break some of that down in you know later on in the entertainment segment. But with that said, I gotta. I gotta say this, and the thing that gets me is what's been happening lately with with gaming stuff. You know, Slick and I have talked quite a bit about Pokemon Go and, you know, a lot of the updates that have come and gone and the fact that Nintendo and Niantic have really, you know, they came out of the gate swinging and now Niantic is kind of just coasting. They've obviously added new Pokemon, Togepi, Pichu, uh, they've added bonuses for playing the game on a daily basis, but... I kind of feel that it's uh it's a little late to the to the game, you know? I just think that um for me personally there's you know, this is this is the stuff that they should have leveraged when the game was um you know, it was was in its infancy. I think for me you're you're reaching a stage where people were like, "Oh my god, you know, th- this game is has so many great things." And then like slick was saying last week and the week prior, they just started crippling features and eliminating trackers and just sucking the fun out of it. And now with all the additional updates that they've announced, it's, it's a little, it's a little too, you know, too little too late in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. I'm still playing it casually, obviously not as aggressive as I was before, but I think that now, even though the game has all the potential to do, to do the right thing, there's, You know, there's other options. Obviously, Super Mario 1 being one of those games is incredible. I think that one of the things that gets me is that with Super Mario, with Super Mario Run, Apple jumped out in front and said, listen, we're going to give you this brand new Super Mario Brothers experience on your mobile device, and it's going to be off the fucking chain. And they definitely did not disappoint. Now, I will say this for those of you that are on Android, there's, you know, security issues and things that Nintendo has to, you know, has to fucking consider. So that's why Android fans are kind of left in the dark. And, um, you know, I want to definitely pick Slick's brain when, uh, when I bring him on to go into that, because I think that that's something that's going to, um, I think that once Nintendo is available on both iOS and Android, that's when things are going to get really, really interesting. But Without further ado, let me let me bring Slick on board so we can break down some of these news items and, um, you know, share some of our thoughts on the, the 2016 year in gaming. So let me bring him in. Mr. Slick. What's up, man? What's up, brother man? What's going on? Uh, not much. It's
1: been a very long day.
0: I hear you. So, you know, the... The the whole Pokemon Go situation, obviously, as I said, you know, Pichu, Toga, new additions. You got that Christmas Pikachu that they're dropping, and you know it's all well and good, but too late. Especially since the Christmas Pikachu was bullshit. Did you catch it or no?
1: I caught two. They were fucking useless, and it's like there's some of the lowest level Pokemon you'll see as far as like their combat power, and they still make them like hard to catch, like, I could, the, the first one I saw was, like, the the CP was, like, 72, and the circle was orange. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me?
0: Yep, I have noticed that. I think, you know, for just me... Like, go ahead. Seriously, Pikachu is
1: not... It has never been, like, a serious contender in any kind of battle situation. Right. They... they Niantic needs to stop just because... Pikachu is, as Ketchum or Satoshi, depending upon if you watch it in Japanese, his forever companion, it's like, yo, he's not that serious. Right. No, you're right. I agree. Like, they they made him one of the hardest fucking Pokemon to catch, and now that they got this little rat running around with a Santa hat on, it's like, he's common now, but they, they give you the weakest possible ones
0: yeah well I mean you know it's it's for me it's it's just it's just odd that um you know there the stuff that needed to be done for me personally was just done too late in the game at at least at least in the in the sense that when it comes to mobile gaming and you can you can understand this more more than most you you have a very very finite window when it comes to ensuring the success of your game and the longevity of your game. I mean, a, a good, a good example, case in point, angry birds, you know, angry birds was cranking out games, you know, lightning fast just to keep the interest and keep people involved. They, they even went as far as doing that transformers tie in, you know, they did a new one. Now that reminds me of, um, uh, bust a move, which, you know, similar shooting the bubbles, doing all that with the angry birds, a lot of, a lot of good stuff was involved. in in that capacity and it kept the franchise interesting. It kept the people engaged. It kept it fresh, but then you have, you know, classics like words with friends, uh, you know, um, what the hell on the, the um, draw something, which was another one. You remember how that went. Everything was, oh yeah, this is great. This is great. They were selling all kinds of merch related to the game. And then poof, something new came along. I mean, remember the, the, the flappy bird craze and how that, how insane that was. And, again, finite window. Once it was gone, that was it.
1: Right. And, I mean, there's still, as far as I'm concerned, broken elements of Pokemon Go. The new tracker, which I, I you know, fired up the game and looked at it. The new tracker is actually pretty fantastic. I mean, it shows you, when it shows you what's in the area, if you can click, if you can click on it, it will show you exactly where something is located. So, if you can get there before it disappears, you're gonna catch it.
0: No, I agree. Well,
1: you're gonna encounter it. whether whether or not you're gonna catch it is another another thing.
0: Yep, I saw I saw a couple. You know, I, I definitely saw a higher a higher frequency of the stuff. You know, it was it was definitely a solid update. I haven't caught any of the newer stuff yet because I just like clicked it on and. Kind of futzed around with it a bit and then just kept it moving. But you know, right now, like as I said, Super Mario Super Mario Run just dropped. Everybody was excited about it. And again, it's just a, a the the same type of Mario game you've played all your life, but in in a mobile offering. And this is what I've said, and you and I have talked about at length that Nintendo needed to leverage. Again, we're not telling that Nintendo. We're not telling Nintendo go out and put out like your new shit on a mobile device, but just something simple with a character that's iconic and think about it. You know, they did it. Everybody's excited. I've seen, I saw at probably 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Uh, today, people were like, man, I can't wait for super Mario run to drop. Or does anybody know when it's going to be on, on the iTunes store? L- like countless, countless things on Twitter, you know, even on uh, Facebook to a degree. I, you know, again, whether you choose to buy it or not it, the fact remains that it was it was something that in a way Nintendo did and while it is great they ended up hurting themselves too because think about it if you've been playing pokemon go on an iOS device you know because it's a great nintendo offering and you're a mario fan guess what happens to pokemon go that shit takes a back seat you know
1: or if you're a Pokemon fan, guess what happened to Pokemon Go a month ago? There you it's go. You did not even stuck with it that
0: long. Yep, you bought the 3... If you had a 3DS, that was... It was curtains. It was curtains for that game. <laughs> I think the the scariest the scariest thing is that Nintendo is only dipping their toes in the pool. They could do so much. You know, you can take a game... You know, you could do a little bit of Donkey Kong Country and do a game like that. Or you could do... You know, a you know, a, a very easy Mario Kart type of a title where you can play against other people. Once that happens, you know it's game over.
1: They don't even need to do that because games like that kill cell phone batteries. All they need to do is say, "Guess, guess what we're going to do for Android and iOS?" Right. We're going to release our game and watch library. <laughs> oh wow,
0: that'll do. That's not a bad move. I can agree with that. I think, you know... Turning the cell phone sideways and playing the the original Game & Watch,
1: Donkey Kong Jr. To I, this day, you know, if you, if you saw that in a store tomorrow, the, the Game & Watch thing, you'd buy it.
0: Absolutely. I remember, uh, and this is going back a little bit, do you remember that they used to do small versions of arcade machines?
1: Yeah, because they used to have one.
0: I had one for Popeye.
1: I had two. I had Pac-Man, and I had... This Mario game with um, Mario's Cement Factory.
0: Oh, okay. I had, like I said, I had this Popeye game, and basically the premise was you punch Bluto, you you keep punching him, then Sweepy throws a can of spinach, you power up, you hit Bluto just right with the uppercut, he lands on a hook, and you save Olive, and then, of course, he falls off the hook, and the game starts again. And obviously the more you kept doing it the more the, the higher the difficulty went. And the thing about it is that something that's simple on on a mobile on a mobile device nowadays is, you know, not that it's unheard of, but sometimes I feel that they go a little a little too broad, not too broad, they go a little too complex when to your point, you know, battery life is still something that we're dealing with on a consistent basis. You know, we we have yet to reach the point Where, you know, battery capacity, because that's the sacrifice. People want thinner phones, which in turn lead to smaller batteries, which in turn lead to the shit dying faster. You know, pour one out for the note that used to be, uh, you know, (laughs) used to be a champion in its class.
1: Unless they actually give that, that genius girl some burn. I forgot her name. I think she was of Indian descent but she made a cell phone battery that was like the size of a button battery that that thing could last, that that thing charged in minutes and lasted for like over a day.
0: Right. And this is what I'm saying. I mean, this is the technology we got to look at too, because as, as mobile devices continue to evolve, we are going, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I was listening to a, to a podcast not that long ago, and the 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 gentleman that was being interviewed, he said that gone are the days of him needing to travel pr- with a laptop, pretty much, because he pretty, he does everything on his phone. That's how far it's come, you know. Like he he's like the only thing I'm a slave to are keeping, you know, backup battery packs. But everything else, all my business is conducted on my phone, emails, uh, editing spreadsheets. Obviously, you're not gonna get the same, the same, you know, the same accuracy or the same level of, of, you know, programming. But at the end of the day, if you're signing a document or signing a PDF, you could do that from your phone. If you're editing simple formulas in Excel, you could do that on your phone. Editing a small uh, word processing document, you could do it on your phone. And that's how crazy it is. You know, we've replaced so many devices. I think um, a photo that I saw on Pinterest, which was later shared on Instagram and Twitter was, you know, it had a picture of, a, uh, a portable DVD player, a, um, a Polaroid, a beeper, a uh, two-way radio, you know, and all of them. And in front of it, it said, all of this is in this. And it was just, uh, you know, a cell phone. And I was just like, yep, that's pretty much it
1: in one way or another. Not exactly, but I hear what you're saying.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, you know, for, um, for gaming, for gaming nowadays, that you know like you said game and watch you know go back go back to the simpler things put something out like that you know charge a couple of bucks like you did with mario it'll sell like hotcakes because again it, it'll be easy on the battery engaging enough to play in a brief amount of time that you could just keep it moving after it's all said and done you know
1: and that's a, another thing that i really think why they should try that is because with Cell phone gaming, they want to go so hard. Like you said earlier, they want to go so hard with these games. And it's like they always say, oh, look what this cell phone processor can do. Look what this cell phone processor can do. I'm like, yeah, but you got to realize what you're showing me right now is a cell phone processor that's handling that game and that game only. Right. Once you actually load a cell phone, even if it's not doing a whole bunch of other shit, it's doing simple, you know, basic things like keeping time, checking the weather, GPS, right, freaking Wi Fi and stuff like that. And that, that bogs down that fantastic processor that you're running this this tech demo that looks like something that could be on a console or a PC even. I agree. And guess what? When you want to actually play that game, it plays like shit. You need to go back to simple games that, you know, what happened?
0: No, I'm in agreement. Go ahead.
1: They need to go back to simple games like Game & Watch that would need, like, no kind of processing power. And even even though, you know, it's not an...
0: Oh, man. Hold on a second, Slick, because my laptop restarted. Hold the phone, guys. Oh, my God. Fucking Windows 10 updates. Hold on a second. (laughs) It was bound to happen. Oh, my God. What a pain in the ass this is. Oh, I apologize, guys. So my laptop, which uh, in its infinite wisdom, decided to automatically shut off and do a Windows update because, you know, I blame I blame you, Jimbo Slice. I blame you and, uh, you know, the, the retro situation. I blame you for this incident. <laughs> anyway. While my laptop decides to restart, we can uh, still do some stuff on the um, on the Mixler side of things. You know, as Slick was saying, and uh, you know, once we get the switchboard back up, we'll bring him back on board. You know, the processing power, and this is what I was going to say to him before we got so rudely interrupted when the when the call, when the call dropped. the The processing power and what we're dealing with nowadays, yes, it is great for games; it is tremendous. But at the end of the day, what it ends up doing is, it's exactly what Slick said. You're you're applying all this energy to one game. When at the end of the day, between Snapchat, Instagram, you know, text messages, YouTube, uh, Spotify, etc., before it's all said and done, that little processor is getting its ass kicked. That when you do finally get around to playing that beautiful, graphically intensive game, it's not going to mean shit. And for me personally, I think that. You know, less is more. I mean, I was playing a game which I believe is called threes. And basically the concept was you are matching up. You were putting together number one and number two to form three. And then anything that form three, you would put together with its with its matching, you know, with its matching number in the sequence. In other words, two plus one is three. Then three plus three is six. Two sixes together is 12. Two twelves together is 24, etc. cetera, et cetera. And again, very simple game, matching, complete bullshit, but at the end of the day, it was a game that I ended up playing daily for about a month and a half, and then of course I played some other stuff that came along, and, you know, we ended up resolving that with, just like I said, Pokemon Go, uh, Marvel, you know, Puzzle Quest, a couple, uh, couple of other titles, but again, easy things like the fucking matching games, Angry Birds which again they they're beautiful games to look at but very simple to pick up and play not not super graphically intensive then yeah you could get away with some stuff but for me as a as a mobile as a mobile user i feel that all that processing power is really lost on those games because yeah you might play that one game but how long are you going to be playing it for me personally i'm playing you know Maybe a half hour here, half hour there. I play Marvel Puzzle Quest daily uh, just because they give you bonuses when you play daily. I try to get certain characters that I like and level up certain characters. But aside from that, most of the other games I'll play if I'm, you know, traveling on the subway in New York City or if I'm waiting at a doctor's office or if my wife is in an appointment, but I'm not playing them hardcore, you know, every day like, you know, you would if you were playing a console game. You know, it's. It's, it's a pick-and-choose type of a scenario. Now, one thing I got to tell you guys, if you are picking up Super Mario Run, you got to remember that you need to have a data connection on. You need an internet connection on at all times to play that game. So if you're somebody that does not have unlimited data, you are going to have fucking problems. So do yourselves a favor. Be aware of that. If if no one has told you uh, you need an always-on connection to ensure that the game runs uh, this is because of updates and other things that, you know, Nintendo has in place. And, you know, like I said, the game looks awesome. I got to to see it and, and you know, experience it today. And I thought, I'm like, yeah, they, they definitely got something here. So my laptop is currently rebooting. And once it's done, I will dial back into the Switchboard and uh, get Slick back in. But, you know, for for mobile gaming right now, the the whole the whole name of the game is graphically intensive games games that are using recognizable franchises. I actually wanted to mention a Transformers fighting game that's supposed to be coming out on mobile, which um, really impressed me. I was like, wow, these graphics look amazing. I mean, you know, it's probably going to be a two button button mash type of a fighting game, but still, it just shows how far how far the gaming space has come. Now, for you know, with regards to Games like that, Nintendo games, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's just another outlet for people to, to enjoy those games. Again, it's the casual gaming space. I mean, even the classic NES, which everybody's running around looking for. Think about it. The classic NES comes loaded with 30 games, all games that we've played at some point or another in our lives. And what ends up happening is we end up, you know, we end up with a game people rebuying it because they want to live through nostalgia. They want to live through, uh, you know, that that old school mentality. I mean, even myself, you know, who's still trying to pick one up, you know, I wanted to get, you know, I'm getting one for my sister. That's the plan. But even I contemplated getting one just because it's something you could just have pick up and play. You don't got to worry about upscaling and this or that or the other thing. It's just you plug it in HDMI, you turn it on, you got 30 games to choose from, and that's it. The only thing that has annoyed me is the fact that, you know, the library was so small, you know, 30 games. You could have definitely put 60 games, 100 games. I would have even paid, um, you know, 80 bucks or even $99 for 250 games just so that I can have that variety. I think there's so many iconic titles on the NES side that you could have played that, you know, I would have I would have definitely paid it. I, hell, I'd even pay, you know, I'm contemplating the 60 bucks now just for the 30 games to have it, you know, for for trips down memory lane. You know, as I've said before, my sister uh, being, you know, a person with autism, I, she plays a lot of the games. You know, I got her a Wii U. She still has a Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo 64. She's always been a diehard Nintendo fan. And, you know, she has a real old, uh, the not the big Gen- Sega Genesis, but the small square one that they did. And she's, uh, you know, she plays that on occasion. And I said, man, this will be a good trip down memory lane. Plus, I can uh, get rid of one of those daisy-chained consoles that I've been using. You know, you daisy-chain all the RF switches together, one behind the other, behind the other, into, into the um, coax on your TV. So, you know, again, I want to get it for her, but I'd get it for me strictly from a nostalgia sense. So with that said, I wanted to move on a little bit until this fucking computer starts up, I wanted to talk about uh, something that Square Enix has been alluding to. Our friends at Dual Shockers actually discussed it, and the news also came from Weekly Famitsu. And it belongs, it, you know, it pertains to Square Enix and the possibility that they will be doing a thirtieth anniversary collection of Final Fantasy. Now, think about this. You know, Final Fantasy. Uh, you know, the the new one just came out everybody's been talking about it's been for the most part very well received and now square enix is looking at uh doing something for the 30th anniversary which uh is you know it officially celebrates its 30 year anniversary december 18th 2017 now according to what's been rumored and dual shockers mentioned in their piece uh gamers would be getting a bundle which would include final fantasy 1 2 3 4 5 6 uh, 7, 8, and 9 on a single disc or, or PS Vita offering. So with that said, I think um, if that drops, I think that's going to sell like hotcakes. Not exactly sure what the price is going to be, but it looks like that's something that they're cooking for the upcoming uh, 30th anniversary of the Final Fantasy series. I think if that drops and it's legitimate, I would definitely pick it up. I mean, I've always been a big fan of final fantasy seven and I've played the other games here and there, not as aggressively as I should, but I think it would be a nice way to have them all and kind of chip away at them one by one. Um, like I said, that's one of those things right now. It was discussed in the weekly Famitsu dual shockers reported it. And once we get some additional info, we will, um, we'll definitely make sure you guys get the scoop on that. Looks like the, uh, The laptop is up and running. Well, almost it, uh, restarted. So we can dial back into the switchboard. Hopefully block talk radio doesn't fucking boot me out because why not? I'd expect nothing less. All right, let's see what we got. Let's see if Skype loads up. This is, this is what, this is what happens, man. You know, you try and do the live show shit breaks, especially in this capacity where the computer essentially just decided to update itself, which I got to find a way around that. If you guys have, uh, some solutions on the Windows 10 side, let me know. All right, let's get this Skype up and running and get Mr. Slick back online. All right, we are, we're, we're back in the mix. We got our switchboard back up and running. Uh, Slick, when you get a chance, you can dial back in. As I was saying before uh, I had to do all this little tech stuff, the um, 30th anniversary collection is rumored right now uh, mark it down on your calendars, 30th anniversary, December 18th, 2017 uh, with a potential bundle that will include final fantasies one through nine. Uh, also on the Sony side, it looks like we're going to be seeing the return of uh, the, the Valkyria Chronicles, which is coming back to the U S uh, the new title Valkyria revolution is set to be released in Europe and North America this spring on the PS4 and PlayStation Vita. Uh, they are pretty much moving away from the traditional combat system and will be using real-time combat, which obviously, if you've played most RPGs, that seems to be the name of the game. Everybody's moving into uh, real-time versus term based and the thing is also that this game is going to, be going to take place in an alternate timeline from other games. Of course, those not familiar with the series, uh, Valkyria Chronicles was the first game, started in 2008. There's been two sequels on mobile ever since. People have been huge fans of the game. There was a 2014 port to Steam, which got people talking, and it actually became the third best-selling game on the platform at one point behind Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and Football Manager 2014. There is going to be a Valkyria Chronicles uh, remaster, which, um, well, let me rephrase that. There was a Valkyria Chronicles remaster that was released on the PlayStation 4 in May. I see that Slick is dialed in. Let me bring him back on board. Mr. Slick, dude, it wouldn't be an end of the year. It wouldn't be an end of the year episode with something not going wrong.
1: (laughs) I thought I was talking to the audience, and then I realized that I was... I don't know if you hung up on me when you came back. I was trying to keep things going while I was waiting for you to...
0: No, here's here's what happened. So if you're, if you're, if you use windows 10, you know that if there's any sort of an update, it'll say, Hey, your system's going to shut off at, at a, at a moment when you're not actively working on it. So of course I am working on it cause Skype is on and the chat room is open, but clearly that's not enough. So it decided I'm going to shut down, which it did mid mid midway through. So you know how it goes. And then of course, all the updates I had to install and all the shit and we're back. But, um, you know, if, if, if you were listening via Mixler, as I was mentioning, you know, Square Enix is rumored to be dropping a, uh, Final Fantasy 30 year anniversary collection with games one through nine, uh, for the PS4 and the PS Vita. And I was saying that that's probably something I'd pick up just because, you know, it's a trip down memory lane and it'll give you time to chip away at those games one by one in terms of whether it's going to be a remaster or not. We don't know at this time, but, um, they're probably going to do both an original version and a remastered version of each one of those games
1: i um it's weird i didn't get check on that which usually i would but i definitely think that with the earlier ones like maybe one and two they'll probably keep it you know the way it was right it's not bad i mean they might update the graphics but um, I don't think they're gonna do a full overhaul. Definitely not in the, in the. Um, it won't be looking like Final Fantasy 15. No, like, definitely not.
0: Way. Hell, no, definitely not. I think it'll just be you know some some brighter visuals, you know, some improved visuals, maybe some smoother textures, etc. But I think for for a 30th anniversary edition. To 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 have it contain all those games, you know. There's so much. There's so much history in that series that people are going to pick that up as soon as it gets announced.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, you. It's it's funny that you mentioned Valkyria Chronicles because I don't know what the the audience may or may not have heard from me before I got cut off, but I was talking about Valkyria Chronicles because. Uh, you said that that it came out in may yeah i also put a review on it that's right about it that's right i put a a recent a recent article on it as well last week but there's a sequel coming out right which um i didn't get a chance to put anything up on that because they they really they it's kind of just like an announcement email right there's not much uh there's not much meat to it so I I left it until they give me a little something more to present.
0: Right. The um the notes I had were just because they were they were you know the franchise was making its way back to the U.S. So there was definitely some crossover there. You know that you're I remember that you had reviewed the title. You had to obviously jog my memory because you know I'm an old bastard and I'm trying to remember eighteen thousand things at once. But you know I think the the RPG space is. Seeing, seeing a resurgence. In my opinion, I think we're we're starting to see a nice resurgence of really good RPG titles. I mean, you've reviewed a few. Um, there was one you did not that long ago. What the fuck was it called? Um, it had like a yellow cover. That was one of the last ones an I think RPG? you did. Yeah, I think it was an RPG.
1: The last RPG that I reviewed was Sword Art Online.
0: Was it before that? There was a, I could have sworn there was another RPG you reviewed, unless unless I'm mistaken and I mistook the cover for an RPG game I gotta check I gotta I gotta dig in the archives maybe while I'm while I'm working on the site it'll uh it'll come to me but the thing the thing I've noticed is you know Final Fantasy the new one is has been very very well received um, you know obviously people are just having fun fishing and driving around and doing all kinds of nonsense and I'm like uh, okay sounds good not for me I mean the most I'll play mm. like a I'll play the old ones.
1: Well, yeah, that's because it's freaking, I mean, there's this stuff in that game that even I say is a little bit ridiculous. Like, again, there's there's the literal, not elephant, but little turtle in the room, the adamantoids battle, which it's finally been confirmed that it's not a three-day fight. It's like three days in game. Right. But it's still insane. Like, you're fighting a, a freaking mountain.
0: Ah, Okay.
1: It's a, it is a turtle or a tortoise, but it, he's beside. When it was sleeping, people thought it was a mountain, and you literally fighting against a moving mountain. Jeez. Its eyeball is bigger than you.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, I've you know it, it's it's weird because you know RPGs they've always had such a such a hardcore following, and I've seen people not that I didn't know that they were RPG gamers, but just people that I thought weren't really into that particular genre, they're like, yo man, I'm picking up the new Final Fantasy today. I'm like, really? That's, you're into that? Cool. You know, like it was just very, very surprising. Um, You know, for me, like I said, the, you know, seven, seven for me is my favorite and it kind of brought me back into RPGs when it came out way back when, you know, I played legend of, of Dragoon vagrant story. Like I started kind of really getting into the RPGs and, Even digging into some of the old stuff, you know, like Chrono Trigger and all that old shit that that had come out that I kind of just tossed by the wayside. I'm like, ah, let me go back and start fucking with these games. And I was like, damn, you know, I was was genuinely annoyed with myself that I missed out on some of those, you know, like Breath of Fire. Oh, that's why
1: I've been, you know, trying so hard to keep up with RPGs today. I mean, I just got in the mail today, Dragon Quest Builders, which they they're already working on another Dragon Quest game for next year.
0: Yep. I just, you know, for me and and this is just going a little little real world, you know, my 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 gaming has not that it's degraded, but I've just been focused on so many other things that when I am playing stuff like, you know, it's, you know, turning it on, playing a little Street Fighter 5, playing a little King of Fighters, uh playing a couple of rounds of Killer Instinct. Um, now that they rele- they released Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom three on the PS4. I downloaded it on the PS4. Been fucking around with that a little bit, just trying to get reacquainted with the series. But hopefully, while while we're off air the next couple of weeks, you know, I'm going to try and do a little bit more streaming and um, maybe stream to Facebook and and try some of that stuff out, kind of reacquaint myself because it's been it's been you know reviewing products and playing with products and toys and all this other shit so got it gotta get back into what brought me to the dance you know
1: yeah I mean I'm not in any way complaining but I don't often people will see me the people that you know have me on their their friends list and everything will, will see me on the ps4 often but it's like I'm not really playing for fun right I'm playing to you know be able to Give a honest review on a game, or to get you know just to get more content out there. Like I was playing Hitman earlier today because you know anybody that is subscribed to my page will see there's a brand new Hitman video up on there. Yep, and there'll be another one probably sometime tomorrow because they have a new elusive target coming.
0: I was um I actually started grinding a little bit on the Dragon Ball Xenoverse game, which you know we had reviewed, and I. You know, I, I reviewed the game, and this is this is something I got to tell people all the time. When you're reading reviews, whether it's from us or from anyone else, sometimes give us a couple of weeks and go back, because sometimes we end up updating the reviews because we end up discovering things that have made the experience substantially more enjoyable. When I started playing Dragon Ball Xenoverse, there were a lot of little things that frustrated me. Um, one in particular was just not being able to play like player versus player battles because you know the update wasn't available, you know, just bullshit. Now, obviously, the game is more complete. Things are further along, and I've been grinding, building up my own character. Yes, I created a Saiyan version of myself. Uh, you guys may see some video on YouTube very soon. And um, you know i i end up I ended up enjoying the game. You know, I like the grind, getting some of the cool powers and the power ups, and fighting some of the more iconic characters. Is it a game I'm going to see myself playing? 6 months from now, maybe not, but for the time being it's kind of fun to just grind and build the character and you know have some of those iconic battles that we've seen in numerous Dragon Ball Z episodes and movies. So to that point, it was it was good to just kind of go back and and sit down with uh you know with a fresh set of eyes to a, to enjoy a game because like you were saying, you know, it becomes it definitely becomes a work thing. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it definitely for enjoyment. I mean, I people know that I, I definitely love the Hitman game and I'm looking forward to the second season, but it's like, it's like, it is what it is, especially, especially when I'm trying to, you know, put content on the, the, you, my YouTube page, because that is when, when you guys see a video from me, I try to make it as, as clean as possible as, easy to follow as possible because it's like one of the things people always say, they say, thank you, because you, you give like detailed instructions on how to do something. Right. So I try to make sure that, that it's, you know, as few mistakes as possible. So it's like one, one run I might have to do like 10 times. Right. I ain't that damn good at the game.
0: This is, I get, I get what you're saying about that. Well, sometimes part of the fun is if you, if you got a bunch of people watching a stream and you and you die a couple of times and you just have a couple of, you have some fun with it. People can also learn from those mistakes, you know.
1: Oh no! When I do the streams, like I do the streams because it'll be like the their first look at a new level or something. Right. And like you said, we we are enjoying it together. I I say at the beginning of the stream, get ready to watch me die over and over again.
0: Exactly. I
1: and. I, it might happen, or I might, you know, I might do better than I expect.
0: Listen, but I it is what it is. I dug up Capcom Fighting Evolution and I streamed it to Facebook to our RageWorks page on Facebook, and I hadn't played the game in a while, dude. I got my ass whooped. I'm like, yo, whoever's watching the stream is watching me get my ass whooped left and right. But it was good because, you know, I was I've, I obviously doing a, a demo test, but. It was just funny because I said to myself, yeah, this is how it goes when you haven't played shit in a long time. But um, I did want to mention one other thing before we kind of move into the, uh, the year-end wrap. Uh, Polygon put out a piece that said that Nintendo sold, get this, 196,000 NES classics, according to MPD. So think about that. The system is in short, quote unquote, short supply, but they still sold 200,000 units and here's the crazy part. 196,000 NES classics that Nintendo sold in the U.S. last month is almost as high as the number of Wii U consoles, which is 220,000, that the company sold during a six-month period from April through September. What the, what the fucking fuck?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we knew the Wii U sales were dying down. That's why they yep. stopped production on it. But- yep. The um I can only really see, you know, buying that 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 little NES box really if you like if I if I had like I don't know like eight year old kids or something. Right. I'd buy it for them so they could see like where where the stuff they're playing now, where it came from. Right, absolutely. I, I couldn't really see buying it for myself and I see a lot of people in my age range going crazy for it. like well, power to you. I mean, I still got my NES in the closet. If I really need to play it, I can. Well, and even though, you know, there's the problem of the RCA inputs, I mean, that, that that can be worked around as well.
0: No, of course. But here's here's the thing, and, and this is something that I'm glad we're having this conversation because, you know, there were there were a lot of conflicting discussions over the last couple of days. And when I read this piece earlier today, I said to myself, you know what? People, people on both sides of the fence are right, and it's because you know if you get a Raspberry Pi, a Raspberry Pi, and you sit down and you work on that, and you install an emulator on it, and you know you get the ROMs. Not that we're advocating that. You've essentially built yourself an NES Classic. On the same, on the same token, if you had a Wii U and you went into into the Nintendo's eShop, you would buy. You'd be able to buy half of those old games. So there's there huh
1: probably all yeah
0: probably all probably all of them either half or all
1: all of the ones that come on that 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 box anyway
0: right so to that point you know for people that were oh my god this is so great it's like you've had your chance to play them but then i you know as i read the commentary and people that had uh, from other schools of thought it came down to something else and that is convenience Because think about what you just said. Yeah, I got my old one. I got to get the cartridges. And, you know, there's workarounds with the cables and blah, blah, blah. Versus plug in an HDMI cable, turn the shit on, and you're off to the races. Again, not that that's the right thing. But the fact is that some people just want that. You know what I mean? They want that experience without having to do all the shit we had to do. You know, oh, man, this cartridge is dirty. Let me get the, the cotton swabs and clean it. You know, all the usual shit.
1: The only, I mean, really the only people I could see in that boat personally, again, would be those who don't have a Wii or a Wii U. Right. According to them and them good old NPD numbers, a lot of you motherfuckers have a Wii or a Wii U in the house. Absolutely. And there's probably, at most, if you don't already have them in some way, shape, or form, maybe, like, five games there that you want, and you could get them for less than 50 bucks.
0: Yep. I mean, even... I'm just if, saying. I own, I own a Wii U, and I said, if I pick up an NES Classic for my sister and I get one for myself, I'd get one for myself just to keep it in the office, you know, to kind of stream it for nostalgia's sake, you know? Hey, we're going to play a little Punch-Out today and, and just kind of veg out and do that. But in terms of...
1: Well, look at what you said. You Your, your first thought was... To get one for my sister. Absolutely. That's totally different.
0: Right. But I'm I'm also talking about my own purchase. Oh,
1: I got to have this for me.
0: No, in, in terms of my own purchase, I'm not actively seeking it. But if I get one, I'd keep it in the studio, you know, just to have it to, you know, play a couple of games, maybe stream for a few laughs, you know, shit like that. Nothing crazy. The thing that gets me, and this is what Polygon was very, very vocal about in their piece, is the following. Of course, Nintendo would have probably sold many more units of the NES Classic if only it had produced them. Retailers didn't take pre-orders, which led to immediate sellouts on launch day. The console became one of the most sought-after items on the market as the holiday season ramped up with both retailers, with retailers both physical and online continuing to sell out of their stock as soon as Nintendo replenished it. This has led to plenty of angry shoppers venting their frustration at stores especially when retailers have resorted to confusing strategies in selling the system. This is very true. You know, you got retailers doing lotto giveaways. You'd you'd think you were getting a pair of fucking sneakers. Oh, you got to get wristbands or you got to be at the store three hours before they open. Like, allegedly, GameStop was supposed to restock it right uh, yesterday and today. And people are like, yeah, I got I'm going to be outside my GameStop, you know, two hours before they open so that I'm there because you can't even walk in and buy the system outright and then just come pick it up when the truck arrives. It's it's fucking, you know, it's it's a problem. I think that if they would have let people just reserve the shit, it would have it would have been a lot smoother. And even if it would have sold out, people would have been like, well, I didn't pre order it. And it's a hard item to find. Fuck it. You know,
1: true.
0: That's the thing that gets me. You know, according to they, they talked to a GameStop representative that said to Polygon that the store's retail locations are supposed to have limited quantities in stock, which I said today and tomorrow. And then obviously there's eBay, which you're going to end up shelling out between one hundred and fifty and two hundred dollars. And at that rate, like I said, you know, two weeks ago when I when we were talking about this, I I'd, I'd you know for one hundred and fifty, I'll go and buy a retro N five, which plays you know Genesis, Mega Drive you know, plays all of those cartridges and then just go to garage sales and pick up the cartridges I'm looking for. There you go. You know, it's, it's, it's weird and um, it's weird and Nintendo's strategy and the way that it's been handled has been a big factor in the frustration from the general public. And to be honest, I can't blame them. You know,
1: my frustration was with that 3DS sale, but that was some bullshit
0: to me. Oh yeah, that was a pain in the ass. When you were breaking that down, I was like, What the hell, man?
1: I was like like I'm looking at my my screen right now. I'm looking at the MTR studio. It's like it says we have an hour and fifty minutes of airtime left. Right. So let's let's imagine that's the, the best buy screen for for um ordering that that three D S on Black Friday. That's right. I tried to order it. It said not taking orders right now. Right. Okay. Let's say that that on air timer says an hour forty five now. I come back, the shit says sold out. Yep. I'm like, what? Well, what the fuck did I miss?
0: I agree, but you know what it is, bots, my friend, bots. That's that's what it is. But um, you know, I'll, I'll you know I'll keep One you guys. Doesn't use captives. This is true. I'll um I'll definitely keep you guys posted as I continue to search for an NES classic. If I do share one, you know, obviously you'll see it on my Instagram or on the rage work Instagram with the caption victory in, in caps. But, um, uh, you know, until then, if not, I will wait until after the holidays. Now, you know, to, to, to kind of put the icing on, on the, you know, the final gaming show for 2016, there were, there were a lot of great games that we both got to play. A lot of awesome titles just wanted to kind of pick your brain have you rattle off a couple of titles that you feel are just some of the more noteworthy titles in your opinion of 2016 that people should have been playing or should play before you know if they get the opportunity okay
1: no problem
0: um i know you got at least three in that cranium
1: (laughs) dude i got i got the whole list of what i was doing for you know the the, the articles but um it also depends on what your console of choice is right right now mine is the playstation 4 because like i said xbox doesn't have anything for me right now right because i'm on playstation 4 rise of the tomb raider 20 year celebration is very high on that list fuck yeah then is um because if you're an xbox person that's a 2015 game not a 2016 game this is true is um, Pokemon Sun and Moon for the 3DS people. Um out of the GTA clones, I would probably say that Mafia 3 was the stronger contender. I actually have not played as much of Mafia 3 as I have of Watch Dogs 2. I've already started, completed and platinumed Watch Dogs 2 already.
0: Wow. Holy shit!
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that's I crazy. That last, I got that at the beginning of this week.
0: Nice, talk about putting in the grind. But Please.
1: Um, yeah, I really wanted to get it out of the way because it's it's just well wait, wait for the
0: review. <laughs> <laughs> nice tease, nice tease. Good work.
1: Bottom, bottom line: don't pay full pre- don't pay full price for Watch socks too.
0: Well said. Any other ones?
1: The um, I would say. Uh, for the fa- for the more family oriented definitely pick up Lego star wars the force Awakens okay and that over over avengers if you were looking at both even if avengers is cheaper which it probably would be
0: that's what we ended up, up getting
1: star wars, the force uh,
0: we ended up getting uh we uh, ended up getting the uh, avengers game because uh andrea wanted it and it was it was fun i mean you know it was what it was but you know not losing any sleep over it. <laughs>
1: If you need Marvel superheroes, pick up Lego Marvel Superheroes. As old as it is, right? Because Avengers just they they just rushed it.
0: I can and agree with that. The whole
1: fact that it's it's um it's keeping with when I say Marvel, I mean the film house Marvel. It's keeping with their lineup. So yep. anybody that wasn't in that lineup at that time ain't in that game.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I would um um oh you had another one
1: yeah good yeah. two I could go on I mean there, there was that game inside which was freaky as hell
0: right that's right that game was that was really weird
1: I would is Alkyria Chronicles remastered that you mentioned yep then there's Odin Sphere uh, Leaf from some that's that the, ga- that the game that was the game
0: that's the game that the the Odin Sphere game did that have the yellow cover on. Or, or or yellow on the cover.
1: No, it's like a blue, blue purplish color.
0: Huh? And that was an RPG, right? Action RPG. Yeah. Yep, yep. Man, I may have I may have confused it, but yeah, I'm like I knew he did another RPG game. I um to to your point, I gotta definitely throw Rise of the Tomb Raider in there. I was um I was playing the Tomb Raider that they gave you know the the one on Xbox One that they gave away for free. And then I actually played Rise of the Tomb Raider while I was at an event a while back and I was like, "Fuck, I could see what Slick is talking about." And um I definitely want to throw it on that list. I got to throw Uncharted 4 on that list immediately as a game that you got to pick up if you're picking up a PS4 this holiday season and you have not played the Uncharted series. First thing you got to get is the Uncharted Collection. Then once you get your big boy pants on with the Uncharted Collection, then you get yourself Uncharted 4. And I'm, I'm 100% serious when I say this, folks. Uncharted is an amazing series. And yeah, you know, 1 and 2 have their little hiccups, man. But when you get to 3 and 4, holy shit. Strap yourselves in because it's a wild ride. So um, on the PS4 side, definitely Uncharted. On the PS4 side, if you're a fighting game fan, obviously I got to throw out there uh, King of Fighters, and if you're a Capcom loyalist, obviously Street Fighter. Even if it's, uh, you know, DLC offerings are a little frustrating. Got to throw those out there. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and throw a little love to Darksiders War Mastered, and Darksiders Two, which are also uh, games that we've played and reviewed, uh, just because they're they're fun hack and slash style games. I mean, if you like games like God of War. You'll appreciate games like Darksiders. I think Joe Mad and, and the team over at THQ at the time and now THQ Nordic are trying to keep the game out there. And there's been a lot of rumblings about the success of the game, possibly leading to the develop to the development, ugh, wow, to the development of a third game in the series. So, you know, I you can pick both games up for twenty bucks, maybe even a little less, uh, depending on where you go. And they're solid additions. On the Xbox One side of things, going definitely Gears of War 4, which is fucking bananas. Um, I'm also going to throw Doom in there. Doom kind of went under the radar. People didn't give it as much love. And uh, Doom was a was a really dope game. Uh, Titanfall on either console, great. Titanfall 2, uh, fantastic. And like I said in my review and in my gift guide, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Xenoverse, or Dragon Ball Xenoverse, I should say uh, definitely is a game if you're if you're a fan of the show that you might have some fun playing and on the sports side definitely WWE 2K uh, to you know the the latest WWE 2K game because the create a character feature and some of the stuff that they've added has been tremendous I think that you know the nickel and diming of microtransactions and DLC may leave people with a bad taste in their mouth but overall I think that they have, you know, they 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 have some some solid offerings in that game, and it's just you know they've improved on it quite a bit. The controls are still a little a little wonky, but it's still a fun game. Um, to echo what Slick said, definitely Pokemon on the 3DS if you haven't played it, um, definitely do. And on the Wii U, which I know you guys are probably like, oh my god, he's recommending Wii U shit. Do yourselves a favor, uh, Pokemon Tournament. Uh, the tournament style, the fighting game, the Pokemon fighting game is a fun game and I got to put it out there. Fucking Splatoon. You know, you look at the game, you're like, oh my God, this is some kiddie shit, but we're talking about some call of duty level mayhem with paint. You know, it's family friendly. You can play it with your kids. If you're, if you're into shooters and it's a fun game, man, take advantage now that the Wii U is quote unquote on its last legs, you know, you could pick it up for nothing nowadays hell you might be able to get a used one for even a hundred bucks if you fish around in the right places and uh pick up splatoon it's a dope game uh probably one of one of the best games you know out of the last crop of wii u titles that came out uh definitely also want to throw in there uh bayonetta which you know slick has talked about numerous times uh the bayonetta games the first game obviously had appeared on you know PlayStation and Xbox before but the sequel uh came to Nintendo and it's a really really dope game um I think it was one of those games that surprised a lot of people because it allowed you know Nintendo allowed a lot of creative freedom with that game you know there was definitely subject matter that was not not overly sexual but definitely you know it was like wow okay so
1: it's overly sexual, dude. Her <laughs> clothes are her hair. Yeah. The I mean, chick likes to walk around naked.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be democratic here, but yes, there it's, it, it is, but it's, it's definitely a game that shows that Nintendo was willing to go a little bit outside of the box in that capacity. So again, you know, if, if, if you want to pick a Wii U up, I recommend it. They're cheap and they're going to be on their way out for nothing and there's a decent, you know, I can say that there's at least five to seven titles worth picking up, mostly first-party stuff. But, you know, if you're going third-party, I would say Bayonetta was a dope game.
1: Just to um, support what you said, and you'll be shocked that I'm actually going to recommend something for the Xbox One. But first, on the Bayonetta, if you pick up Bayonetta 2 just try to shop around a little bit and see if you can get the copies that still include Bayonetta 1.
0: Yep, definitely. So,
1: um, if you're picking up Gears of War 4, I would recommend doing it online right now versus going into a store because most places do have, you know, like fast shipping for free, like two day shipping for free. Right. And Gears of War 4 on Best Buy right now. Is twenty nine ninety nine, which if you have the gamers club is twenty three ninety nine. Yep. It includes Gears of War one through three. Yep, that's
0: what I got. Fucking great.
1: Plus plus they're giving you this I don't know why, but like a Gears of War mug set.
0: Nice. For free. Oh man, that's really good. I mean I picked up the game day one and it came with the other three titles, man, but that's a definite great bargain right there for sure. Um, you know, props, props to Slick for finding that man. That's a that's a dope deal.
1: I'm trying to get like the full details. It says it's from Microsoft Limited Edition Gears of Gears of War Mug and Coaster Set Copper Plating. It's like a copper mug that has the the um the Gears of War uh skull decal hanging off the the grip.
0: Right. Nice. I um. I got to uh, add, so of course, what I do not recommend is the fucking season pass, which costs me. more than a damn game. Yep, definitely not. You you could wait and you could enjoy the game without the season pass. I did want to add, and I'm sure Slick will add to this as well. Um, Slick's recommendation, get get a brand new DualShock controller if you're a PlayStation 4 owner. The new controller is really, really nice. Um, on the Xbox side. You got one? No, I you know I saw it in the store and I you know they had it on the demo uh, PlayStation and I was like wow this is really nice. Yes. Yep. It
1: has a diff. It definitely has a. It's the same design and everything, but it has a different feel. Yep. Than the original.
0: Absolutely. Also, um, you know, a bit overpriced, but I gotta say that Microsoft Elite controller is fucking boss, man. I mean, it's a little, it's a little. A little pricey, a little pricey, but you can find some deals on it that I, I think there was a deal not that long ago it was down to like a hundred bucks. Um, I think if you used the Visa pay to check out and there was a, a special too, you could take it away for a hundred bucks. Uh, really nice controller. Also, the new controllers that they put out with the Xbox One S, uh, the Gears of War one is nice and also if you have a Microsoft store close by, I believe you can also do it through Microsoft's website. You can order your own custom controller, which is nice if you're into, you know, really, really deep customization from an, you know, from an accessory standpoint. Uh, the customizable controllers put out by Microsoft are definitely dope. So uh, I want to throw that out there. And if you're contemplating getting into the streaming game, um You know, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I got to say Elgato's capture cards, whether it's the classic capture card that I recommended in a previous gift guide or the HD60, which I want to recommend because if you're looking to monitor your stream through your laptop and you don't want any lag, the Elgato HD60S, not the regular HD60, the HD60S is definitely what you're looking for. And if you're looking for an internal PC-based solution, the Elgato HD pro are also really solid, but the original Elgato capture card is great because you can go on Elgato's website and get a dongle, which is always a funny word to um, play some of your favorite retro titles too. So if you got a dreamcast laying around, maybe a 64 or something else, you get that dongle and you can plug it in and you'll be able to capture gameplay very easily using Elgato software. So again, you can find those for for fairly competitive prices at your local retailer. eBay is also good, especially during the holidays when people are clearing stuff out. But if you're looking to get into it, definitely, um, like I said, an Elgato HD60 letter S. And in terms of if you want to throw a webcam into your streaming, uh, definitely Logitech C920 is really nice. That's the camera that we originally used for over 200 plus episodes of My Take Radio Ah, uh, you can find them on sale from six fifty to sixty bucks on a good day. Seen them as low as forty. Uh, really good cameras, high quality, and um, great additions. And lastly, if you don't want to use um, Elgato software for their capture card, you can also use OBS Studio, which is free. Or they've been doing some really good deals with XSplit, where you can get a lifetime license. They were doing a lifetime license for two hundred bucks. Which at one point during the Capcom Cup was down, I believe, to like one fifty. And you know, XSplit is pretty dope because you know you can stream to Facebook, and it's it's adding it's continuously improving its feature set. So you know, those are just a couple of alternatives if you're trying to get your your foot in the door streaming wise. And of course, um, a good microphone, Slick is uh, recommended. The Turtle Beach, which um, I can agree with, the Turtle Beach is definitely solid. Otherwise. You can use what we're using a um, ATR twenty one hundred, or in this case, it's the uh, the newer one from Audio Technica. It has USB and XLR outputs, and you can use that as well.
1: It's also the um, the one thing that's that's kind of a shame about the updated AverMedia uh, Live Gamer Portable two is that they took out the AV multi cable that they included with the the original version. So no more streaming of the PlayStation three out of the box with it. Like there are cables you can get, but I mean, they could have just still put it in the, in the, in the box like they did with the first one. Right. The Avameda LG, it, it only supports out of the box, PC, Xbox One, and PS4, and um, what was I going to say? For some reason, it still it does not have a good solution for headsets, other than if you're you know using the PC, which I mean a lot of people aren't these days. A lot of people just because, especially with the PS4, because it lets you do it right out of the box. A lot of people are streaming with like a PS4.
0: Right.
1: It's a shame that. You can't just connect a a standard headset because even with my stream mic, that connects by USB because that's where it gets its power from. Right. And it doesn't have any way to do, like, pass-through power using USB. So it might have to stick with, you know, the Elgato stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, Elgato, and again, for for my streaming setup, and I'll give you guys a little little quick, uh, you know, breakdown i use a um a dell a dell laptop which has a core i7 processor uh i believe it is the fifth gen i7 not the sixth and you know it's been great i've used it to stream uh with the elgato software it's done a great job i've used it with xsplit and i've even used it with obs studio for testing. And it's been it's been great. I mean, you can get a pretty solid laptop if you want to do that. Or, you know, you can build a small form factor PC. Uh, you don't necessarily need an i7 if you're if um, you know, if you're not doing any heavy video editing. Uh, it's recommended. I personally use AMD for my desktop rig, but a core i7 on my laptop lets me work very well with no hiccups. Obviously, you want to go hardwired connection. Um, I'm probably going to be selling this laptop in the new year. And may actually be getting a razor Blade laptop just because I want something a little thinner, a little lighter uh, that I can use. And I also want it to have a little bit more juice so that I can do video and audio editing on the go. But, again, that's just my setup. Everybody's setup is a bit different, but that's that's what I'm working with. Anything else to add?
1: 2017, I'm sure we will be doing a lot of upgrading again.
0: Yep, absolutely. That's for damn sure. So, um... Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up?
1: No, I'm good for now.
0: All right. I, uh, I appreciate the assist as always, dude, minus the, uh, the tech issues. As always, I appreciate you. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. That was our very own slick. Make sure to check him out on his YouTube channel and all the kick-ass streams that he's doing links for his channel will be in the show notes. Uh, Hopefully once we move over to the web host, you'll be seeing a lot more of slick stuff in the coming days along with the rest of our team. So, With uh, that bit of gaming talk out of the way, let us shift gears and jump into the entertainment stuff of the week. Let's get to it. If you've been keeping an eye on your Instagram and social media feeds, uh, you've noticed that obviously uh, Ryan Reynolds was in the news this week. Uh, he is getting a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, Hugh Jackman has been trolling him on social media for, for good measure. But an interesting news story came out in that Ryan Reynolds would like to do a Deadpool Wolverine film. And he's actually trying to recruit people online to try and make it happen. He said, I want Deadpool and Wolverine in a movie together. What we're going to try have to do is convince Hugh. if anything, I'm going to need to do what I can to get my Internet friends on board to help rally another cause down the line. Um, We all know that Hugh Jackman is expected to wrap up his portrayal of Wolverine in the upcoming Logan movie, but Ryan Reynolds is definitely trying his hardest to see if he can get, um, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool on screen together. I think I'd love to see it happen. I think that doing something like that in kind of a buddy comedy capacity would be interesting, and I think it would be a great way to just have Hugh Jackman come in and not really have to carry the entire film on his own. I think that the, um, the interactions between Deadpool and Wolverine, even in the comics, are always interesting and amusing, and I would love to see that play out on the big screen. I think the toughest part, which Hugh Jackman has talked about, obviously, is conditioning, getting himself in shape. And that's been one of the big reasons why, you know, he's moving away from the roles. But I also feel that, you know, with Wolverine being such an integral part of the Marvel universe, whether it's mixing it up with guys like Deadpool or the Avengers, uh, you know, the world needs Hugh Jackman to continue being Wolverine. And, you know, it's it's tough, especially as a fan, to see another actor step into those shoes because Hugh Jackman has done such an amazing, amazing job thus far over the years. But I got to say that if, that if Logan is his last film, so be it, but I definitely would not be, I'd definitely be lying if I didn't say that I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine mixed it up with Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool on the big screen. Uh, right now, Deadpool two is scheduled to hit theaters in 2018. Uh, the target date right now is January 12th. Um, you know, as always, these, uh, these dates can change. But in terms of the upcoming, you know, a possible Wolverine Deadpool film, uh, Ryan Reynolds is definitely going to need all the help he can get. So keep an eye out for additional updates on air in future episodes of MTR to see where that goes on the DC side of things. It was an interesting week for DC for two reasons. Obviously, a lot of set photos came out of Jason Momoa as Aquaman, which looked pretty dope. Uh, but in addition to that, there was also the announcement that Suicide Squad's David Ayer will be working with Margot Robbie for an upcoming film based on the Gotham City Sirens story, which if you read those comics was Harley, uh, Poison Ivy and Catwoman, you know, and, and the stuff that, and the adventures that they had in that series, it looks like they want to do something like that. Um, obviously this would reunite Margot Robbie with David Ayer, but she is also executive producing the film, which um, is very, very interesting. Uh, right now, there is no there's no official date in terms of release, but Gotham City Sirens is happening. Uh, they've been a lot of rumors floating around that Megan Fox is being considered for Poison Ivy. Not sure how I feel about that, but I'd be interested in seeing the chemistry between her and Margot Robbie. I think that one of the things people forget about in the comics is that... Um, Poison Ivy and Harley not only had a very uh, a very close friendship but they also, you know, were involved in 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 other ways as well and I'm curious to see if they touch on any of that in in the story because that was part of what went down especially in later incarnations of the character. Again, not something that's mandatory but it's definitely something that that could be an interesting an interesting point from a storytelling perspective. In addition to that, it also looks like they will be doing a sequel to Suicide Squad and a spinoff for Will Smith's Deadshot. Uh, you know, if you guys read my review of Suicide Squad, you know that I said one of the high points of the film was how well Will Smith did with the Deadshot character. I, You know, Deadshot's an interesting character, uh, you know, a hitman with a code, and he's he's tied into so many different aspects of the DC Universe, whether it's mixing it up with Batman or doing things with Suicide Squad or in the case of the Arrow television series mixing it up with you know Suicide Squad on the small screen and also with Diggle there's there's a lot of stuff that that's going on with Deadshot right now that's keeping him front and center even right now with the new DC rebirth books and Suicide Squad being out there you're you're seeing you know Deadshot definitely having a more pronounced role um I definitely would love to see what they do with the Deadshot character. Do I think he needs to carry a solo film? No, but I would definitely love to see Deadshot maybe mix it up with, with Batman, with Ben Affleck's Batman on a bigger scale. Maybe in the in a Batman solo film where you know Deathstroke is already rumored to be involved, it would be cool to see Deadshot. I mean, one of the great concepts that they did not that long ago was in the Batman game where Black Mask put a bounty on Batman's head and various, you know, different hitmen and killers tried to take Batman out. Uh, Deadshot being one, Deathstroke being another. I think it would be a nice way to kind of mix that together and maybe even borrow elements of that for something on the big screen. Again, I like Will Smith. I like how he played Deadshot. Do I need to see a solo film? No. As for Gotham City Sirens, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with it. I mean, Margot Robbie did a, did a solid job as Harley, I'm curious to see how far they take that story and how much they, they actually use from the books. Now, the next bit of news is interesting because as an 80s baby, um, this bit of news, this particular genre of films didn't really come into my life till I was a little older. And um, partially because my, my, my brother was a big fan of these films. Uh, it's the uh, the black exploitation genre. Now, for those of you that don't know, black exploitation was something that went down in the 70s. And, you know, those films were uh, really over the top, you know, African-American led uh, action films, uh, really, really crazy, real like we're talking about um, Foxy Brown, Coffee, Sheba Baby, uh, Black Mama, White Mama, uh, you know, that particular that particular genre saw a lot of those films most of them starred Pam Greer who was just you know at that point I you know you're you're a kid and you see Pam Greer on screen and you're like holy shit you know like so for me it was it was pretty cool to see that and the funny thing is that the reason I'm bringing this up is because Hulu is actually looking to bring back a series based on a Pam Greer character, that character being Foxy Brown. And what Hulu is looking to do is reboot the Foxy Brown film as a series with Megan good starring as Foxy Brown, which originally of course the role was made famous by Pam Greer. I'm interested in the concept, Um, you know, in the original film, Foxy Brown, uh, her boyfriend was murdered by, you know, by a crime syndicate, And, um, you know, she went on a, on a path of, of, of vengeance and it led to some really, really crazy moments. If, if you get a chance, uh, find a way to see if it's streaming somewhere, but definitely check out, uh, coffee, Foxy Brown, those, those two films in particular were, were definitely were two of the ones that I saw growing up. Obviously you got Dolomite and a bunch of other crazy films in that era. But for me, um, you know, Sheba baby, uh, Coffee, Foxy Brown, those those films. It was like you know you're growing up and you're like, yeah, hey, man, this is what, what what went down in the seventies. And then you know you get into it and you're like, this is fucking crazy, like they, they you know wild shit. And I'm curious to see what Hulu does with that. Not because I don't think Megan Good is a bad actress, but I just feel that the subject matter that's that's being you know shown in that particular in that particular era may. You know, it may ruffle some feathers in 2016 because motherfuckers are super sensitive. But as as someone who, like I said, ended up watching that stuff when I was older, I was I'm I'm intrigued. I'm curious to see if they could turn something like that, which was, like I said, you know, just a film from 1974 into a vehicle that people can watch on a consistent basis. So we'll see what the deal is with that. Obviously, when we get additional info, we will share it with you guys. Now, um, the other news with regards to the small screen is something that I I just want to lump into the what the fuck movie news category because it's just it's just ridiculous. But it looks like CBS is looking to do a present day reboot of The Honeymooners. Now, if you if you're in New York City, you know that on Channel 11 on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, they give a Honeymooners marathon. You know, it doesn't get more iconic. Than, than the Honeymooners on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And as someone who grew up watching that and occasionally tunes in, even now that I'm older, I feel that the Honeymooners was one of those shows that it's in its own bubble. You know, you look at shows like the Honeymooners, Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie, uh, Different Strokes, uh, The Facts of Life. You can go down the list, Charles in Charge. Those, those shows existed in a very, very unique and special bubble. And while, you know, they've there's been shows that have been that have been, re you know, remastered like Fuller House or, you know, Girl Meets World and, and utilize a lot of the original source material. I feel that there's just certain shows that just should not be touched. And the honeymooners is one. I don't care how you want to spin it. Trying to do a present-day reboot of something as iconic as The Honeymooners is just a recipe for disaster. And knowing knowing my luck because I can't stand him for whatever reason, they'd probably use Kevin James. He fucking sucks. I cannot stand Kevin James. And it's not even because, you know, he did Paul Blart or he's, you know, basically Adam Sandler's friend, but just because Every movie he does, he plays the same fucking guy. I mean, Vince Vaughn is guilty of that too, but at least Vince Vaughn has other people to play off of. You know, Kevin James is just essentially paying playing the King of Queens in other environments. I just, I'm I'm not a fan. But knowing my luck, like I said, they'll put him in. Uh, they'll put him in a Honeymooners reboot. For those of you that don't know, the original Honeymooners had Jackie Gleason, who was ahead of his time, Audrey Meadows, Art Carney. And Joyce Randolph, and basically, it was a, um, you know, it was a show that followed, you know, Ralph Cramden and his relationship with Ed Norton and their spouses, and it was, it was again, it touched on a lot of stuff. The comedy was definitely a little, a little edgy for the time, which was great. And like you, those are things that you just cannot recapture. I'm sorry, you can't, you can't do it. But it looks like CBS is going to try. I mean, you know, they did that reboot of. the odd couple with uh, the guy from friends matthew perry and i mean it's been mostly well received but you know for the people that i've talked about i've talked to that i've grown up watching the odd couple they're just like it just doesn't it doesn't have that same that same vibe and like i said it's a combination of many things obviously the actors and actresses that are involved and also the you know, just just the way that everything comes together. You, it's tough to recreate that kind of magic. Sometimes it's easy, but for shows like that that are just completely iconic, it is super, super, super difficult. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, while we're on the subject of of TV shows, you know, we we grew up watching. You know, I was I was saddened to hear about the passing of Alan Thick um, earlier this week. Um, he was playing hockey with his son. Suffered a heart attack and and passed away. He was sixty nine years old. Alan Thicke. It's funny because that's the guy that when you look when you saw him on screen, he was without a doubt the quintessential TV dad. He, um, you know he he played obviously Jason Seaver on Growing Pains. Then, um, you know he did a bunch of other stints on different shows. He popped up on on show. You know, How I Met Your Mother. In addition to that, he also wrote and um. He wrote the theme songs for some of the really, really iconic shows from that era. Different Strokes, uh, The Facts of Life, hell, even Wheel of Fortune. Of course, uh, his son Robin Thick is, you know, a celebrity in his own right. But it was just crazy to read. You know, he's out there playing hockey with his son, has a heart attack and and dies. You know, it's uh, it was crazy. And and you know, seeing so many people speak so highly of Alan Thick, he's one of those guys. Like I said, as somebody that watched him growing up and saw him show up on different shows and saw interviews with him and different things. He was always, he always had that vibe of being a genuinely nice human being. You know, sometimes you watch these guys on television and then you see them in other settings or even in person, if you meet them and it's genuinely not the same, Alan Thicke always kind of just gave off the vibe that he was a genuinely nice guy. And, um, you know, he was, he was one of the good ones, man. So I was genuinely bummed to hear that he passed away um, you know, like I said, he, uh, he suffered a heart attack while playing hockey with his son. Um, of course, obviously it, you know, his, his career lives on with stuff on Nick at night and, and numerous other broadcast outlets that play reruns of growing pains and some of that stuff. But, um, it was, it was wild, man. It was wild to read that. That's for sure. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I think this would be a great way to close things out. Obviously star Wars rogue one is in theaters now. And we had talked a little bit about the Han Solo solo film, no pun intended, that's scheduled to hit theaters. But all signs are pointing to that that film hitting theaters 2018. And um, they're looking to start filming in February. So obviously we're getting Star Wars Rogue One. We still got the continuation of The Force Awakens on deck. And we got a solo Han Solo film. It always feels so weird saying that on deck as well. So, definitely a um a solid time and a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Now, before we wrap things up and wrap up the last show, we definitely went a little over this week because of the tech issues. As I said at the start of the show, there are a couple of items I want to recommend and share with you guys year end um both from a film perspective but also from a um, you know, an entertainment center perspective. You know, obviously, as someone who watches a a fair amount of movies, uh, the having the best picture and the best sound are crucial. And right now, you know, with the with the uh, emergence of 4K, a lot of people are kind of you know circling, possibly upgrading their setup for the upcoming year, whether it's because they intend to buy a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One S or an Xbox Scorpio. And also because, obviously, the mediums are changing. And I got to say that if you're, if you're not, if you haven't picked up a TV already, be you know, with a good deal this holiday season, please hold out until February during Super Bowl season, you know, during Super Bowl week, uh, because they really do some amazing deals when it comes to that. I mean, even the Sony TV I have, which has a 240 hertz uh, rate, it's um, I bought it. Super Bowl week at the time, and it had originally an MSRP of like eighteen seventy, and I ended up getting it for like nine eighty when it was all said and done, under a thousand dollars from the Sony store at the time in uh, the Roosevelt Field Shopping Center, which is now home to our friends at Newberry Comics. Uh, interesting how that works, but um, the thing is, you know, like I said, unless you pull the trigger now, don't don't get pressured in. Because two things happen. Number one, CES happens in January, and they always unveil a ton of stuff, which leads to substantial price drops across the board. That is number one. Number two, like I said, during the Super Bowl, they do a lot of really good deals uh, You know, just in time for the game. So that might be a great opportunity to leverage that and get yourself a, um, a brand new display. Now, as I said, when we were talking about it in the gaming segment, there are a couple of different options you can go with. Um, you know, the playing field, not to say that it's even, but there's, there's definitely pros and cons and really good stuff for each, for each company's displays. Uh, Samsung, you know, they do a really good job with the HDR, the, the, you know, vibrant colors, uh, a has been doing really well with black levels lately. And also with backlighting and additional HDMI ports, I cannot stress this enough don't go and get suckered in for for a really cheap TV deal and then come to see that your television ends up having two HDMI ports at best. And I say this because HDMI ports are, you know, they they're, they're important real estate. You obviously are plugging in your cable box or satellite dish receiver and you're plugging in your console and if you decide to get something like an Amazon Fire Stick or a Roku stick, or an Amazon Fire TV, or an Apple TV, guess what? You won't have a uh, a port for that, which, again, it's a pain in the ass because then you got to buy an HDMI switch, which, you know, it helps, but it's just another thing that you have to babysit. So please do yourselves a favor. Uh, make sure to keep an eye on the HDMI port count when you're looking for a TV. Also, make sure that when you go and you're looking at a TV at uh, a store like Best Buy, you know, where they're set up to have the highest brightness possible, tweak the settings. If they got a Blu-ray player, bring in one of your own Blu-rays as reference. Or if they have a console set up, bring bring one of the, your favorite games. You know, they'll let you check it out. They'll let you play it. I mean, you're dropping, you know, a, th- a couple of hundred bucks. Do your do your homework, folks. Please do that. Like I said, in terms of brand recommendations, Samsung has really been knocking it out of the park lately. Um, Sony as usual, never disappoints. I mean, the last four TVs I've owned have been by Sony and each one is better than the last. And like I said, Vizio, even though it it sounds like a budget brand, their East, their E series line of TVs is fucking stellar. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you, um, if you definitely don't give them an opportunity, I mean, definitely look at Various retailers, like I said, head to Best Buy, check your local BJ's or Costco, and play around with the TVs. Check the color level, check the black level. You know, look at it at an angle. Try and sit in front of it if they have a setup where you can sit in front. Measure your distance. All of that matters. Um, if you're not looking to make the jump to 4K, like I said, a projector is a pretty solid, a pretty solid choice. Uh, definitely get yourself a pull down screen if you can. Yes, you could use a white blanket tacked on a wall or you could use a white wall but better to have something that's nice you pull it down and you're able to just have the best picture and the best representation of color possible so definitely do that and in addition to that if you have one that you pull and and hide it you can actually put something nice in that area you know a painting or something else or a, or a frame portrait of your family so you know weigh out your options ask yourself what you're gonna use it for if you're watching movies you know you want, really good black levels of, you know, a decent amount of HDMI ports, because like I said, you're going to be streaming, you're going to be watching Blu-rays, etc. You might as well be ready. Also got to throw out there when it comes to audio quality, there's a couple of offerings out there. Obviously sound bars are the name of the game. Uh, Bose does a really good sound platform, which is pretty solid. You can pick that up for about 300 bucks. If you're a Bose fan, uh, once again, Vizio is killing it with, um, their soundbar offerings. I currently have a Vizio soundbar that has quote-unquote wireless uh, rear speakers, a good sub, and the sound quality is pretty solid. You can pick it up for less than $200. Um, if If you're a Sonos user and you already have Sonos in your house, then you can look at the Sonos Play Bar, which also can integrate with your Play 1 or Play 5 speakers for a complete home theater experience. Definitely a lot more expensive, so uh, please keep that in mind if you're looking at Sonos. It is definitely expensive. Uh, Amazon is doing a deal on an Ankyo uh, home theater setup, which is pretty nice. You get the five speakers, the Ankyo receiver, which is capable of receiving 4K and 3D, has up-converting capabilities, and best of all, it has a whopping six HDMI ports. I'm going to try and put the link for that in the show notes. Uh, right now, I think it's on sale for 300. Usually it has a $600 price tag, so you're saving half half the money right now. Um, definitely a solid pickup. Obviously not recommended if you're going to put it in a, in a smaller space because obviously you got to run speaker wire and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you do have the space or if you just want to have some booming sound, uh, that Ankyo setup looked really, really impressive. And I actually saw the previous one that Ankyo had put out and I was definitely impressed now, in terms of 4K players, you know you can very easily pick up a 4K player and lay out the money, but you could also pick up an Xbox One S, which currently plays 4K discs and does 4K streaming. Plus, you could play some games on it, and you can pick it up for pretty much almost what a what a good 4K player will run you. Again, you know, right now you can get a 500 gig Xbox One S for 249, and a good comparable 4K player is you know 150. Uh, to 175, depending on the make and and model, so um definitely keep that in mind as well. In terms of recommended Blu rays to to showcase your awesome TV and your awesome uh Blu ray, uh you know the Transformers movies are good. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars Force Awakens is a great reference disc. Um, I like using Saving Private Ryan for sound. Uh, one of my favorites for that. Braveheart also, uh, Gladiator also falls into that um any of the marvel studio films and always I cannot stress this enough if you can uh grab a couple of disney blu-rays they usually have calibration uh features for you to calibrate the colors and black levels on your tv please take your time and do that uh very very important you can also pick up a disc called digital video essentials which will allow you to tweak the black levels the contrast everything to get the best picture possible so take that into consideration. Lastly, I got to add, um, and this is something where, you know, it's, it's up for debate for streaming services. You know, Netflix is starting to do 4k stuff. Amazon is starting to do a good job. If you have Amazon prime, they're starting to really do some great original programming and content. Hulu is hit or miss. I'm not a fan because you're still paying and getting commercials, but Netflix and Amazon prime are both good deals As somebody who buys a lot of stuff from Amazon prime, it was a no brainer for me personally, but again, think of the programming, think of what you're going to do. Um, you could probably, you could probably do well with, uh, HBO now and maybe either a Netflix or, or Amazon prime subscription, uh, you know, just for the HBO programs and HBO gets a, a decent amount of the new movies when, when, you know, when they're available. So that's another thing to consider as well. All right. So, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment, plus a shitload of recommendations for this holiday season. Um, as always, I'd love to hear yours, even though we're going to be off air until the new year. We're always there to engage with you guys. So hit us up on Twitter at my take radio at on Rageworks at ugh, on Twitter at rage underscore works. Ladies still sitting on RageWorks, works. Unfortunately, uh, if you're on Facebook, you can join the RageWorks Facebook group which links for that will be in the show notes. And of course you can become a fan facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. And of course, if you're using other social media platforms, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, just punch in RageWorks. you'll find us in any of those places as well. We are also on um, Google plus still, which um, I question it every chance I get. And we even got um, some content going on Tumblr recently. So if you're still fucking around with Tumblr, you can get access to our stuff there as well. All right. My Take Radio will be back in January, if not the first week of January, probably the second, uh, depending on my schedule. We will be doing two live broadcasts to start off 2017, and then we will be switching to a podcast format for the foreseeable future. So, with that said, uh, once we get into 2017 and do our two live shows, we will not be doing them. On a consistent basis, we'll just be doing podcasts, which again, we'll pretty much release on the same schedule as our recordings. Uh, Wednesdays will be MMA and wrestling editions of My Take Radio, Thursday gaming entertainment editions of My Take Radio as usual. Even though we're going to be off air until the new year, you can still enjoy some of the other shows on the Rageworks Network, whether it's Call Me When It's Over, Black is the New Black, Uh, TRSS, or the variant issue with myself and Jimbo Slice, there's definitely something for everyone. All right, guys, on behalf of myself and the RageWorks team, I want to wish you guys a happy and healthy holiday season. We will see you guys in the new year. Hopefully you guys get some awesome stuff. And as always, if you got any questions, concerns, feel free to hit us up, uh, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. Happy holidays, guys. Thanks for watching the show. Peace. I'm rich,
1: all, folks.